In this episode of Death and Numbers, we revisit the Iranian hostage crisis of 1974 and the graphic novel Persepoli by Iranian-born Marjan Satrapi, which was translated into English in 2003. Persepoli weaves the narrative of her life from the years 1980 to 1994. Volume 2 begins with Marjan's father reading the newspaper headlines aloud as his wife prepares food in their kitchen. They've occupied the U.S. Embassy. Who's they? Who do you think the fundamentalist students have taken the Americans hostage? Really? They call it a den of spies. Ha ha. You'd think it was a James Bond movie. You're not interested? I couldn't care less. Anyway, the Americans are dummies. Maybe. But now no one can go to the United States. Why is that? Think about it. No embassy, no visa. On November 4th, 1979, Iranian revolutionaries stormed the United States Embassy in Tehran following President Carter's decision to allow the deposed Shah into America. While Carter granted the Shah in to receive cancer treatment, protesters saw it as the U.S. plotting the Shah's return to power. That day, the Iranians took 66 people hostage. Meanwhile, six Americans successfully fled and were later sheltered at the Canadian Embassy, before being rescued during the operation Canadian Caper. With the exception of 13 people who were deemed subjects of the oppression of American society, that is the hostages who were women, African Americans, and non-U.S. citizens, and one man who needed medical treatment, the remaining 52 hostages were held captive for 444 days until January 20th, 1981. Frank Reynolds covered the hostage crisis for ABC News. Now, day one. Day one of Ronald Reagan's presidency, and day one of freedom for 52 Americans. Though thousands of miles apart, these two historic events moved almost on parallel tracks today. The new president had not been in office an hour when the former hostages became free men and women again. And they are well along now on their trip to West Germany and eventually to home. Although the hostages all survived, many were tortured, beaten, and subjected to mock executions for well over a year. However, the hostages' stories are often the only ones told by Western media. As Satrapis Persepoli points out, we often neglect to discuss the impact of the hostage crisis on Iran, as the student fanatics were not representative of all Iranians. Satrapis opens Persepoli with a preface to explain her motivations for telling her story. Iran is an old and great civilization that has been discussed mostly in connection with fundamentalism, fanaticism, and terrorism. As an Iranian who has lived more than half my life in Iran, I know that this image is far from the truth. This is why writing Persepoli was so important to me. I believe that an entire nation should not be judged by the wrongdoings of a few extremists. Born in 1969, 10 years before the Islamic Revolution, Satrapi grew up in an upper-class Iranian family. Her parents were Marxists, opposed the Western-supported Shah, the Iranian Revolution of 1979, and the subsequent establishment of an Islamic state under the Ayatollah. For Satrapi, it was imperative that she create Persepoli, not only because of Western attitudes towards Iran in a pre- and post-9-11 world, but because of her personal experiences with Western ignorance regarding her culture. When she was in her 20s, she immigrated to France from Iran. In interviews, she tells the anecdote of how Europeans would frequently profile her, assuming she spoke Arabic, 
However, like most Iranians, Satrapi grew up speaking Persian. By teaching Western readers about Iran, she reminds us how easy it is to perpetuate stereotypes while making sure to not shield readers from the realities of the revolution. The Satrapis, like many Iranians, suffered as a result of the hostage crisis. Several days after the embassy was occupied, the Ministry of Education decreed that all universities and schools would close so that the curriculum could be restructured to educate future imperialists. For two years, all Iranian schools were closed. These types of governmental restrictions oppressed Iranians like Satrapi. And Persepoli, she recalls her mother worrying about these initial decrees being a slippery slope. You'll see, soon they're actually going to force us to wear the veil. You'll have to trade your car for a camel. God, what a backward policy. This leads Marjan to reflect on how her dream of wanting to be an educated, liberated woman would no longer be a possibility under the Islamic State. And indeed, her mother was correct. It is still compulsory for Iranian women to wear a veil in public. In a 2004 interview with Annie Tully of Bookslut, Satrapi explains how she wants Persepoli to foster understanding. In her case, for people to read her graphic novel and realize that there are Iranians just like them. Tully follows up by asking, Are you so determined to foster understanding between people? Because you see, particularly in the last three years, that we're getting further away from that? To which Satrapi responded, I don't think the question is between the people. The politics of the world has created that. When I come to the United States, I'm supposed to be the axis of evil. They are supposed to be the nest of Satan. That is the way the two countries call each other. Which is really bad when George Bush uses the same kind of words. To use the same words as a completely fanatic theological regime, when I come and see people here, everything is fine. In an era of Islamophobia, prompted by ongoing conflicts in the Middle East, as well as ISIS and other terrorist organizations, works by artists such as Satrapi encourages tolerance, which begins with individuals. By revisiting events such as the Iranian hostage crisis and attempting to recognize the impacts behind our own nation, we can start to create conversations based on understanding rather than difference. Today, the U.S. Embassy remains closed. The 1970s interior is frozen in time. Still referred to as the Den of Spies by Iranians, the building has turned into a quasi-museum and now includes anti-American murals, cases showing supposed surveillance equipment collected by the CIA, photographs of the revolution, and staged rooms featuring mannequins recreating suspected secret meetings. A visit to the embassy will remind you of the radical nature of the student revolution that once occupied the building. After the end of the hostage crisis, the Islamic Republic was firmly cemented under the leadership of the radical Ayatollah. Even today, with the election of moderate Hassan Rouhani in 2013, the Iranian government has continued to oppress its people. A 2007 article, Men of Principle, by The Economist notes how... According to Human Rights Watch, an international lobbying group, Iranian detainees are routinely tortured in clandestine prisons operated by the judiciary, the information ministry, and the revolutionary guards. The rate of executions appears to have speeded up too. Iran now executes more people than any other country except China, often without giving defendants a fair trial. In the year following the return of the U.S. Embassy hostages, an estimated 2,946 Iranians were executed. 
Within two years, that number rose to 7,746 people. The revolution also incited Iraq's invasion in 1980 and led to the death of an estimated 100,000 Iranian casualties during the Iran-Iraq War, which lasted eight years. While some Iranians certainly supported and participated in the hostage crisis and subsequent revolution, as Satrapi reminds us, they are not representative of the majority. In the future, perhaps we should try to remember that an entire nation should not be judged by the wrongdoings of a few. This has been Death and Numbers, a podcast created and produced by the Humanities Media Project in the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin and Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Services. We are Amy Viter and Caroline Barda. Notes for the show, including links and photos, can be found on our website, humanitiesmediaproject.org. Our theme music is Enthusiast by Tours. Thank you for listening.